one, two, one, two. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Politics, Culture, and Some Other Shit, the podcast. Uh, I'm recording this Saturday, the 20th of August, and you can, uh, if you want to watch a, a video version of this, it's over on the YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, welcome. This isn't a live stream, I normally do these as a live stream, but uh, I'm, I'll explain in a second. Uh, so, yeah, head over to. Instagram, Twitter, there's a fucking Facebook. I never update it. I, I genuinely hate that place. I'm so confused when I go there now. I feel like an old person. They have so many other things, you know, it's not just going about. There's an entry. Ugh, nightmare. I could go on all day about how much I hate Facebook and why. But, um, yeah. And then, of course, if you want to lend me your support, head over to Patreon. £3 a month and you'll get all my. Uh, all my content, basically everything I put out, including a wee song that I did the other, released uh, the Dreamers Blues, I got, so all my patrons got that to download that for free, that was kind of cool, I liked it, being able to do that actually, so yeah, so welcome to the podcast, what are we going to do today, uh, sort of a bit of a general roundup of things, things you may have seen, may not have seen, certainly wouldn't have seen them on the news, <laughs> they're not going to make it onto the the BBC, unless of course I've stole the article from the BBC, in which case I did. Do you like my top? I'm wearing uh, an, uh, a GAA top, a temporary hurling top, there's it there, you can see. It's from the 2020 final, I think. I kind of li- like it a lot, but I'm wearing it for a, a particular reason. So some of the some of the articles that I'm going to talk about, turn my mic down there, it's a wee bit loud, uh, I think. So, I'm going to talk about uh, a leaked video from the U.S. Embassy from about two or three from two or three years ago in London, and uh, telling very telling, shocking actually. Uh, a couple of videos, uh, Rishi Sunak. We're going to get into uh, a Richard D. Wolf, Professor Richard D. Wolf video, where he explains why there's no such thing as a free market, and uh, a few other bits and pieces, all connected. Um, but yeah, the reason that I'm wearing the GAA top is because I'm going to start with this. So this is a tweet from a loyalist um, community representative, in air quotes, as they call themselves. Uh, I don't really know. I know the guy's name. Richard Garland is his name. There's it there. I'll get that up. So I'll put that on the screen. So there you go. So this is why I'm wearing this this top because of this tweet. Now, just sorry, just get my desk tidied up here. Uh, one, two, just get my level. Sorry, I'm blowing the mic out there a wee bit. So this tweet, it's on the screen there. I'll read it out to you guys listening. Uh, down for a bit of engagement to give East Belfast hurlers a bit of support tonight. Really interesting to learn about the sport and about the efforts being made to make it more inclusive, wishing all their teams the best for the season ahead. Now, that's nice, isn't it? It's kind of cool, you know, a loyalist guy finally, you know, getting on board that going down and visiting East Belfast GAA, which is exactly what you need, exactly what you want. That's where East Belfast is based. Uh, East Belfast uh, uh, GAA is based in his 
in the community that this guy lives. He's a loyalist uh, spokesperson. I think I'm again. I'm not absolutely. If I've got that wrong, please forgive me. I don't follow these guys on on Twitter or on social media. You know the the Jimmy Brysons and those guys. I've him blocked actually. He's a, he's a troll. But I, I think this guy's supposed to be uh, sort of dead on as far as that goes. But this really. I know, and I don't, please forgive me, I don't want to be a dick. I don't want to sound like I'm being a prickly asshole, just taking offence at everything and and all that. It's not what I mean to do. I'm delighted that he went down, but I do feel that he got a wee wee dig to the ribs. And again, if I'm wrong, please correct me, you know. Um... I might be just being a wee bit oversensitive about this. I, I, I could be. I, 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 I might be guilty of that. I might be guilty of being a bit oversensitive. Um, as someone who loves GA, loves Armagh GA, even though I'm wearing Tipperary top. I just bought this the other day. That's why I'm wearing it, because I do like it. Um, but there was something that he said in the tweet, and it's that it's that line there where he says, uh, about the... Af- Delighted to learn about the sport and about the efforts being made to make it more inclusive. Now, again, I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. What does he mean by more inclusive? The, the GAA is completely inclusive. The The current GAA Harlan ambassador is a guy called Abud, uh, an uh, Iranian Muslim guy who is now an Irish citizen. Uh, and he he's doing great work actually. I follow him on Twitter. He's he's brilliant. I'm a big fan, actually. You know, uh, GAA clubs are full of girls teams and camogie teams and girls football. And I know the the, the girls football I say they've been incorporated fully into the GAA family, but the GAA clubs, you know, facilitate that. Uh, so it couldn't be more inclusive. There's no re- religious requirements, unlike being in the Orange Order. For example, where you you know you can't be in it if you're a Catholic, you can't be a full member of it. You can't be a member of it at all. I don't know what the requirements are for for women though. With that, I don't think you can be an orange man. Obviously, <laughs> maybe you can these days. You can be whatever you fucking want, can't you? Hmm. We drink a look at it there. So that kind of bugged me. It really did to make it more inclusive. Well. You can't make it more inclusive because it is completely inclusive. There's nothing more you can do. And this goes down the road to... Uh, you know, and then... So I was sitting in the house the other night and I, I seen that I'd had a, and I was And I didn't reply. And it took me all my willpower not to reply. And here I am doing a fucking video on it. But you can see on the screen some of the replies, the people did reply... As a guy, Derry Lee says, uh, so nobody pulled an armalite out of a kit bag, given that some would have you believe that they're the sporting wing of the IRA, and that sort of comes that that, that that's sort of the point, really. The, the the Richard Garland here, and again, fair play to him for going down. He's going to get. He, I imagine he's going to get a bit of grief for this from certain members of his own community, and he's going to get. Uh, congratulated and told well done by others as well so you know um but members of the lo- of the loyalist and unionist community have been told that the GAA are just that the sporting wing of the IRA 
all their lives for decades. You know, it's, people like Gregory Campbell and and the like are still at it to this day. And it's they always sort of believed that the GEA was set up, you know, to train young people how to do marching drills and how to strip a fucking rifle in in in, in the dark. And this there's still a, a lot of that going on. So his tweet kind of informs that that lack of education, that upbringing with regards to the GEA, you know. To, to make it more inclusive. You, it can't be any more inclusive. It is completely inclusive. You can do what, be whatever you want within the GA. There are no prerequisite requirements. I'm a man, I, 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 I uh, enjoy the facilities. Three GA clubs in my town, the, uh, St. Peter's, Clan Iron and Clan Gale. And they're fantastic. They're brilliant facilities, brilliant clubs, doing amazing work in the community. And I love them. I think they're brilliant. And it, and I think that's why I got a bit annoyed. I think that's why I got a bit pissed off at the tweet. Because it 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 it, it sort of implies that there's that they're not just these brilliant things. And they are these brilliant things. We saw that one of the things that blew my mind, I spoke about it in previous podcasts about how the GEA led the government in Ireland's response to COVID. And the reason that they were able to do that was because they're so intrinsically threaded throughout every town in Ireland, more or less. (laughs) There'd be a few particularly Protestant towns we don't have in the north here that don't have a GEA club, but not too many. Um, And it, you know, they but because they're they're part of every community, more or less, they were able to go. No, we're shutting it down. And when they shut it down, then the government sort of uh, followed them, and then the government took over and took, sort of led the response after that. But it was the GA was able to do that, and. Uh, I, I, I love the GA. I think the GA is, is a is a fanta- it's not without it's not that it, it's beyond criticism. Of course it is. It's not perfect. Nothing is. But you know I, I just don't like that. And it did bug me. Make it more inclusive. It's fucking as inclusive as it can be. There's nothing else you So yeah, he says it's a sporting wing of the ARA. So that was Derry Lee's tweet, and then someone says underneath, "For God's sake, would you stop it? If you can't say something good, say nothing." And Derry Lee says, "I'm not attacking Richard. I liked his tweet. It's others from his community that my comment was aimed at." And ter- Tony says, "Don't feed them so too much hate as it is." And that's all good, Noel. And that was the end of that um, that uh, exchange. Uh, now, there's one here. It was hidden. Oh, the tweet author. So somebody tweeted something hateful and it, it got a response and then they, 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 they took it down. Now, people are saying here, Colleen Nugent says, credit to you, Richard. I'm sure you'll give a bit of guff for it. But it's a step in the right direction. Both communities can learn from you. And that's fair enough. There's nothing wrong. But it's this sort of, for me, the, the, the whole point, the reason I'm going to, I'm going, I'm just going to finish it again. I want to finish on this. I just don't like that there's something, you know, it's great that Richard's going there. 
it, it really is. It's brilliant, and it is, you know, it, it, it is great. But I'm thinking about what, what the guy Tony said. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And that's what sort of the response I took in not replying. Because what I wanted to say was basically, it's, it's great that you're there, but it can't be more inclusive. And the reason that you think there might be something going on is because you've been lied to by your political class and other members of your society your entire fucking life. And there's nothing wrong with it. The GA is a wonderful organisation. Open and welcome to all and everybody. We saw the controversy. It's still at it. There's a controversy there a few weeks ago about the PSNA pulling out from a tournament. And then the the media, the, the Belfast Telegraph and the newsletter, um, yeah, the newsletter were were implying that there was security concerns on the on the PSNA because of the other teams didn't were were it was almost like they were going to threaten the PSNA GA team, but that wasn't the the story at all. The story was that the PSNA withdrew voluntarily because the team list of of the list of teams that were playing in the tournament had been released and then that compromised their security. They they felt that they should just be on the right side to be safe, should withdraw. But it was nothing to do with the other clubs or the other teams. The other teams and clubs were happy to play. In fact I would say they must have knew that the PSNI were going to be playing whenever they signed up. So, you know, it's it's that. That's basically what it is. Does that make sense? And fair play to Richard Garland going down to East Belfast GA and I hope there's many, many more like him uh, do the same. And I don't mean to criticise and uh, Richard there, I don't know him at all really and uh, I don't follow him on Twitter. This this crossed my timeline. Somebody else, actually Derry Lee there, he, we follow each other. So he commented and that popped up on my timeline. That's what that was, I think. So fair play to Richard and but yeah, Get your head out of that the propaganda that you've been drinking your entire life. The GA is a wonderful organisation and it can't be any more inclusive than it already is. So that's that. On to the next. Oh, I meant to say to you as well, before I started, uh, I, have been, I haven't been putting out a lot this week. Because I've been very busy and busy rehearsing and writing of a gig in the American Bar on the 20th of August, which is next Sunday. And it's my first solo headline gig. It's sold out. Sold out in three hours, which is fantastic. It's only a small venue. It's, I love it up there, though. It's Sunday afternoon, sort of vibes. It's very cool. And um, now it's sold out. Everybody, more people want them. I'm getting all these messages. Can I come? No, you fucking can't. Uh, don't have, it's a capacity of 50 on the room, you know, the legal capacity. And uh, you, you can't come, I'm sorry. Um, I think I'm already over the 50. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so I've been rehearsing a lot for that. Every spare moment I get, I'm sort of practicing and writing. I'm still writing these a lot of these songs, um, which is, you know, which is great. As I say, people say they don't work to a deadline. I don't work without one. Uh, so that's what that is. And, oh yeah, so while it's in my hand, and this is why I should have put this in at the fucking start. So we've got these CDs of my album. So there we are. These came yesterday. You can see there. Look great, don't they? Take that tweet down off the screen. 
Uh, there. So there we go. So there, you can see the album in the background, the, the, the vinyl. So this is the vinyl, the original vinyl version, which went out on Blues to the Red Sun Records. A lot of people asked for CDs, you see. So, I'm a vinyl man. So I went and got these done, and only got a few done, not who meant like a hundred, I think. And uh, I wasn't expecting it to be so nice. It's a lovely uh, gateful, uh, get, what do you call them, digipack. And I've seen digipacks in the past um, that they sort of look a bit cheap whenever they're not a big order. So when you get a small order of them, they don't look great. But these are perfect. These are exactly like what you get in the shop. And they are glass mastered, so they are the same quality. So they're, they're, the, full, they're the real deal. And you can see there that lovely photograph on the inside. That was my self-portrait that I took, by the way, when I was in uh, lockdown. So that was me trying to... I was, um, I was channeling, the you know, the old sort of Dutch and Belgian masters, the old portrait when they used to do the, the portraits of the, the guild masters and things like that. And they'd have all their belongings around them, so they'd have their globe and their, their skull and their dog sitting here and their, their favourite gun on the wall behind them and all that. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do there. I've got a hurl and a guitar and a, one of my favourite paintings in the in the background there. Yeah, a book of James Connolly on the floor for the eagle eyed among you. So yeah, so that's what that is. But anyway, so they're really good quality. They're brilliant quality. They're for sale on my Bandcamp, I think. Yeah, Bandcamp, tenner each. And whatever postage, you know. I know most, a lot of people don't do CDs anymore. As I said in a couple of weeks ago, I think they're going to come back. I, I'm a vinyl fan myself. I think CDs are coming back because we can't get vinyl manufactured uh, quick enough because the big major companies have taken up all the all the manufacturing capacity in the world it's really difficult like if we go so I'm writing a new Bonneville's album at the minute as well and let's say I get that finished in the next six months right so that brings us up to say February or whatever I don't know what just off the top of my head say we go to the manufacturing plant in February or go to the, the record label and wait, uh, it'll be, it could be a year it could be a year to get that pressed that creates a big problem. So bands aren't going to just sort of not put it out. So I th I think these are going to come back. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't mind either way. Um, so there we go. Yeah, so that's why I haven't been putting out too much this past week or two. But uh, I, will try and make, I will try and make that up to you. So there we go. So on to the next thing. Uh, shut that down. <laughs> yeah. So, found this video. This is fucking remarkable. Now, this is a scene from. It was a. It was a video. It was released from the U.S. Embassy in. When was it? Let me just get it here. I think it was 2018, 2019. Oh yeah, there it is. Actually. So we'll throw that up on the screen as well, actually. Uh, but there it is. So from inside, the American Embassy, Channel 4 filmed roughly November 7th, 
18th, January 18, 2018. US Embassy staff discussing Brexit. They know Brexit is a disaster and that the British government are not telling the public that 52% voted for something that's like, likely to be very, very bad. So check this out. This is, it's rather interesting. It's only a quick, like, two minutes. Read here. People haven't yet internalized the economy is going to tank. I'd better sit on my cash. The EU 27 says, we're a club. Here are our rules. You tell us how many of the rules you're prepared to accept, and we'll kind of tell you where in the clubhouse you can go. That is not the British conception of what this is at all. They sort of see it as a negotiation between two equal parties. But the British government is not interested, really, in telling people, you know, this thing that 52% of you said that you wanted, you know, here are the range of options. There's, you know, less good, and then there's very, very bad. So, so they haven't actually... So, the, the, telling there, he says, the British government are viewing these as a negotiation, and that they are, the European Union and the British government are two equal partners, or, or you know, or equals. That's not, and that's what they were still, so the embassy officials here are telling, uh, I don't know who they are, probably the ambassador, I would guess, yeah, um, that this is what the British government are doing, this is how they're conducting their negotiations going forward, and it's bullshit. A lot of sort of macroeconomic modeling of this, almost mm -hmm. like deliberately, like we don't want to know because, you know, leaving, leaving is going to be great and it's what people voted for. So let's not spend government money on analysis that suggests that maybe people got it wrong. So you know, this brings me back to what I was talking about in the last podcast last week, right? Remember, can you remember I said, it's easy to be a Tory, it's easy to be a neolib because... They believe in the free market. We're going to get on to that in the, later on. They believe in the free market so much so that they don't have to do anything. The market will take care of itself. The market will take care of all issues, all problems. Every problem can be solved by the free market. That's what he says here. So, uh, they didn't do any macroeconomic modelling on what's going to happen. Now, others did. My chair is giving me abuse here. Others did. The government didn't. They don't believe that they need to do it. So first of all, it, it tells so much. They're going to do it anyway. No matter what the information that comes back from modelling, from experience, it doesn't matter. They're going to do it anyway. And so they did. That's what, And we know. And we know it was a disaster. We, sorry, we knew it was going to be a disaster. I've been calling this thing as being a disaster from day one, as you, most of you have as well. And simply, I would say the reason that I was so confident that this was going to be a disaster wasn't because I know anything other than this. Everything is so complicated when it comes to these global econ economic structures, that you cannot do something as huge as Brexit unplanned. I compared the Brexit referendum to an Irish referendum where cons a consultancy is laid out and a document is presented to the people and said, this is the terms in which we're going to go forward with this referendum. And the debate and the argument must be held within the pages of the this document because this is what we're voting on. 
this document here, it's clearly laid out. Brexit had no version of that. They didn't even do economic modelling because they're so, they're true believers, they're such true believers in the free market that they, 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 that, that they won't do it. They don't need to do it, which, which, which is destructive and stupid in itself. But what it leads to is an elevation of the least among us to the highest offices in, in the land. Which is what we're getting now with Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson's and all the rest of it. These people are lightweights, they're halfwits. And they're in charge. Because you don't have to be smart. You don't have to cure. You don't have to do any of that to be a conservative, to be a Tory, to be a free market, neoliberal capitalist. Growth is starting to slow down, but what we're gonna, probably going to see is um, a longer-term, slower slide at lower economic growth. It nails it perfectly. Do you hear what she said? Growth is going to growth is going to slow down, but what we're going to see is a longer-term slowing down. Now she could be talking about global economic circus. This is this is happening in America as well, but nowhere like in the UK. Mm -hmm. So it's quite a significant yeah. increase, and that's not inflation from uh, a growing bubbly economy. That's inflation from an outside shock. Okay. So that's the worst kind of inflation. That's going to be a problem. This is coming at the end of a long period of austerity. People are very, very tired of it. They're very frustrated by it. And some of those longer-term economic issues are some of the things that fuel <coughs> Brexit. Yeah. So if Brexit ends up not helping them or not not obviously helping people economically, you know, that could have political yeah. effects. But if I think the economy um, sinks, um, then that's going to put political pressure on the government. And, and for the people that voted to leave, mm -hmm. they're terrified because yeah. this is something they've been fighting to achieve for almost 40 years. I mean, it's mm. a generational struggle. They've now won and they're absolutely terrified that it's going to be snatched away from So there we go. How about that? Isn't that insane? I didn't see that documentary. I don't know what it is from. Obviously, Channel 4, something or other. But uh, yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Everybody could see it coming, including dickheads like me. But these uh, American officials saw it. Obviously, we're warning about it. Obviously, we're talking to their counterparts in the government, the, the British government. They must have been. I mean, they didn't just, they didn't surely just keep that information to themselves. Well, <laughs> it went out on a documentary, so obviously not. Yeah. Wow. Beyond belief. So there we go. That's that. Uh, I found that fascinating. I really did. That we would end up with... Uh, everybody could see it. Everybody could see it. Except Demons. So let's go on to this. What's this next one? So what am I going to do here? Oh, yeah. So this is sort of... We're going to finish on a video. So this is all sort of about... This podcast today is all sort of going to be based around the idea of the free market. We're going to keep dropping into that sort of phrase, that the phraseology. And whenever you end up... 
believing in a free market so so uh, strongly, <coughs> you end up with people like this. Now let me where are we? Oh, let me just sorry, shut that down. Yeah, so we're going, we're going to laugh at this fucker, Rishi Sunak. <laughs> Fuck, he's a dick. He really is such an asshole. They can't even... Oh, we'll do the video first. So we we video here. So we'll put that up first, right? So two videos actually on Sunak. So there's one. We'll do this one first. Check this out. Breakfast. Uh, no, so I get bacon roll with ketchup and the and the pancakes. Hash oh, hash brown, man. Hash no, brown. so I didn't yesterday. But if I'm with my daughters, then yeah. we get the wrap. Oh, my the girls my, like the my wrap. eldest daughter is all we get the wraps. So if I'm with her, that wrap with the hash brown and everything in it yeah. is what we do. Girl but after my yeah, 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 that I mean, she's yeah. Breakfast. Breakfast. No, so I get bacon roll with ketchup and so the. So what the this pancakes. is is Rishi Sunak on a morning sofa show. Uh, and you can see on the video, those of you that are watching this on the YouTube, don't forget, like, share, subscribe, head over and give me a follow, appreciate it. Rishi Sunak says he's always gets the McDonald's breakfast wrap, forgetting, in her quotes, it was discontinued in March 2020. Future Prime Minister. Now, the point of this is these fuckers can't even tell the truth about what they're having for breakfast. You know, <clears throat> we learn as children, right? Whenever we're kids, we... we my, my father always told me the worst thing you can do is tell a lie. Because you can never trust a liar. That was sort of the his way of thinking. And I agree with him completely. To the point that I try my best not to lie at all. I'm not saying that I don't. <laughs> I'm just saying I try not to. Um, but one of the things that you, that you learn as you grow up, as you, as you move through this life, move through this mortal coil, waiting to shuffle off, hopefully take your seat at the right-hand side of your favourite God for a glorious, beautiful eternity, surrounded by your loved ones. Wouldn't that be great? Hopefully you'll get that. But one of the things that we learn in our journey to that is that whenever you tell a lie, you start to get, you, you can get wrapped up and the lie can get out of control. What a tangled web we weave when we, you know, when it's a plot to deceive. And that little lie becomes a fucking thing, doesn't it? It can happen. It can happen so easily. And whenever you're lying about something so, so pathetic, so unnecessary. You, you have to. You, you, I, I'm left on. Why are you telling a lie about this? Because obviously he's tr he's trying to present himself as a man of the people, the billionaire, right? This the jet set class, who, in, who, who, who remove themselves from society and everything, everything that they do in life, is done by a servant, or is done. They're shielded from from realities like that Billy Connolly joke. The Queen thinks the world the world smells of paint, fresh paint, because twenty foot in front of her there's a man painting everything, and that's what these people are. But 
he has a certain amount of self-awareness to the point that he realises that he, in order to present himself as a man of the people, a little bit anyway, it's probably best to say that I go to McDonald's. I, I he, oh, Maybe he has been to McDonald's once or twice in his life. Not recently. And this is a lie. Why lie about that? It's fucking pointless. I don't, I don't even know what the question was, but, you know, th th that, that's the only bit of the video I have. So, and then it goes on to this. So, so, so you say, oh, I, well, stop it. Just leave. What's the point of this? Well, it goes on to this. Man of the people. So they're on the screen. For those of you listening to the podcast, rather than watching it, Man of the People shows us he learned to use a contactless debit card. How thick do they think we all are? Right? So, his... Now, he's got people following him about. His PR people. Presenting all this. This isn't just a candid moment. This is a... a, a they've chosen to do this. They went, oh, oh, you know, Richie, put the card up there, I'll get a wee picture of you. Now, the eagle eye amongst you might notice that... As, as Ash says here, in a response to the picture, the funny thing is he's clearly already paid. The receipt is already printed and the home screen on the card reader PR team thought it was worth a quick giggle. So cringe. So he's in McDonald's, he's trying to buy, he's pretending that he's buying his breakfast. I don't know if it's after the fail on the sofa show. And the other thing about the sofa show, why are they fucking laughing at this guy? Why are they, oh, Rishi, oh, fuck you, you fucking prick. You should be fucking crucifying this cunt. You have a chance to talk to the possible, he's probably not going to be, but he may end up in government anyway. He's obviously a very powerful individual. Fucking nail him to the wall. Unbelievable. So, uh, where's the article? Here it is. Rishi Sunak has come under fire for his latest Instagram story after doubters had some questions about a trip he took to McDonald's. The Conservative MP and hopeful candidate to replace Boris Johnson as Prime Minister appeared to be tech, trying to make a joke of his previous difficulties with contactless pay when he posted an Instagram story in the fast food restaurant this morning. So there was a thing there a few months ago when he was doing another one of these and he fucked it up. I mean, he, he managed to fuck up paying for something with a contactless card. I can't remember the details. Mr. Sunak seemed to be trying to make light of a previous faux pas earlier this year. Oh, here we go. Which happened after he announced a fuel duty cut in his March budget. The politician was accused of being out of touch. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> out of touch. You fucking billionaire. After he was filmed trying to pay for petrol by holding his card up to the barcode scanner instead of the contactless machine. That's what it was. This time, Mr. Sunak managed to find the right place to hold his debit card as he used the self-checkout at McDonald's telling his 199,000 followers nailed it. I do hope those 199,000 followers, 199, followers are following him ironically or just to slag him off. However, some suspicious onlookers smelled a rat when they saw the photo, which has been scrutinised for its authenticity. Eagle-eyes McDonald's lovers noticed the screen. Mr. Sunak was already was using had already displayed thank you for your order message, which apparently doesn't appear for around 10 seconds after tapping your contactless card. Critics of the PR stunt have once again slammed Mr. Sunak on Twitter over the post. Isn't that 
the screen after payment asked one suspicious onlooker. You don't get your order number until after you've paid. That McDonald's is straight on the expenses. Somebody else <laughs> criticised as others cringed when they saw the horrific PR stunt. Man of the people shows us he's learned to use a contactless debit card. How <laughs> thick do they think we all are? Well, another person replied, funny thing is he's clearly already paid, receipt already printed, and home screen on the card reader. PRT just as a, yeah, PR team thought it was worth a quick giggle. There we go. Man of the people, Rishi Sunak. So, just on that, Man of the People, Rishi Sunak. Check his wee video out. Now, this is from when he was much younger. He was even fucking more loathsome then. Check it out. I have friends who are aristocrats. I have friends who are upper class. I have friends who are, you know, working class. But, I'm not working class, but I have friends who are aristocrats. Fucking brilliant. I have friends who are upper class, I have friends who are aristocrats, I have friends who are middle class, I have friends who are working, well, not working class. <laughs> Fuck off, Sunak, you fucking rat bastard, you. Unbelievable. There we go, <laughs> Rishi Sunak, man of the people. Yeah, and so, what does what does the likes of Rishi Sunak... Uh, what does... What happens whenever you end up with people like Rishi Sunak in charge? So here's an article from The Independent. A wee quick blast through this. Um, there. Oh, you can't see that. Oh, well, I'll read it anyway. So this is uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg says state should no longer deliver certain functions after Brexit. Well, let me, sorry, let me just check when this was from. Two days ago, right? So this is, this is recent. So, Jacob Rees-Mogg has, uh, well, okay. Jacob Rees-Mogg has urged the next Prime Minister to slash back the government's role as a prize of Brexit. Didn't see that on the side of a bus. You do say that a lot these days, don't you? I don't see that. I didn't see that on the side. I didn't see that. I didn't see human shit flowing through pipes on the English beaches. Didn't see that on the side of a bus. Suggesting it should not deliver certain functions at all. A strong supporter of Liz Trust to win the race for number 10. Oh, imagine. Imagine being that. Imagine that's your strong supporter of Liz Trust. The only thing I would support Liz Truss would be up to the gallows. Here, let me get that for you, love. <laughs> the arch-Brexiteer called for a rethinking of the British state. I bet he did. Arguing mere cuts in public spending will not go far enough. The Leave campaign won the 26th campaign partly on the promise to boost spending, notably by £350 million a week on the NHS, on the side of a bus. But Mr. Rees-Mogg is pointing to a different agenda. Our departure from the European Union necessitates a rethinking of the British state. The Minister for Brexit Opportunities. <laughs> Again, they're that's that's genuinely hilarious. The Minister for Brexit Opportunities. And here, so the Minister for Brexit Opportunities, who 
looks like a haunted Victorian pencil, famously uh, described as such by Frankie Boyle. It's now saying here, the government shouldn't deliver certain functions at all. Again, this is what we're talking about in this podcast, the free market. This is free marketeers. That's what they want. They don't want the government to do it. They want the free market to do this. This is our thread through this today. So, <clears throat> back to the article. This means going beyond ministers looking for fiscal trims and haircuts and considering whether the state should deliver certain functions at all. It comes after Ms. Truss, Ms. Truss vowed to press the accelerator on ripping up thousands of EU regulations if she wins power, which has raised fears that protections will disappear. The Liberal Democrats said the comments would raise fears that the worst damage to relations with our neighbours is not yet done. Mr. Rees-Mogg argued turn back the state's role would allow the next government to help people with rocketing energy bills, which the leadership race favourite has said she will do through tax cuts. As a supporter of Liz Trust to become Prime Minister... I am a strong advocate of the benefit of tax cuts to the economy and to the British consumer, he wrote in Daily Telegraph. Uh, that's... Uh, people, my working class brothers and sisters, tax cuts do not help anyone except the rich. Th- that end of sentence... The call was endorsed by another senior trust backer, former Brexit Minister David Frost, who is expected to be given a leading role in her administration. Another fucking halfwit. Mr Rees-Mogg was absolutely right about the need to rethink the British state after Brexit, Lord Frost said. Leila Moran, the Lib Dem Foreign Affairs spokeswoman, said, rather than try to dismantle the British state... Maybe Rees-Mogg should try to tear down huge amounts of red tape which have been erected thanks to the Conservatives' deal with Europe. The Best for Britain, Better Democracy campaign group seized on Mr. Mogg claiming £4 billion had been found from his efficiency drive, arguing that it was too little to avoid the dramatic cuts. It will likely lead to the civil service to stop delivering functions, including essential public services, that Tory governments continue to run into the ground said Naomi Smith, its chief executive. The call comes after the respected Institute for Fiscal Studies warned warned that big spending cuts are inevitable if Ms Trust pursues the £30 billion plus of tax cuts she plans, calling them unrealistic. Angela Rayner, Labour's deputy leader, fuck me Labour are terrible, aren't they? Said, there's nothing efficient about cutting frontline services already overwhelmed by backlogs when families are already struggling to make, make ends meet. Well, maybe you should have fucking voted for uh, a leader that would have done something about that. Angela, you fucking dick. Now Liz Truss is pledging yet more cuts, which will only worsen the backlogs we've already have, we already have in the courts, airports and GPs, leaving people waiting even longer for passports, driving licenses, vital appointments. Okay, so this is this is where we are. Uh, fucking ghouls like Jacob Rees-Mogg. I mean, but but this is this is all clearly. It has been clear, I should say, for years now, hasn't it? What's happening now is they're saying the quiet part out loud, 
So this is what they've always wanted. They want to roll back the state. Stop spending money on this and that and the other thing. Now, they don't mind giving billions in contracts to their mates and things like that. They will spunk away vast fortunes of public money. What they won't do with that money is spend it on the things that the public want it spent on. They are your enemy. They are our enemy. They want it spent on, as I said, contracts, military spending, things like that. That, that's it. I mean, Jacob Rees-Mogg, that would be him done. That's the state. The state is the army. And we're finished. That's 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 all we need. Educate. No, no, no. Public health. No. Infrastructure spending. Well, maybe because my mates can get some money out of that. I can get money out of that. That's it. That's what these people are. As Margaret Thatcher says, they don't believe in society. I've got a little video there from... May as well play this now. It's up, saying it's an opportune moment. The actor Michael Sheen. Check this out. I look back at when I was 14, 15, and it was going on, the minor strike. Now I, I look at it, and then you see they're, they're, the Conservative government, Margaret Thatcher, wanted to take them down, wanted to take down the, the NUM and Scargill, and, and not just mining industry. There was a conscious decision to move away from mining. That, you know, that's absolutely irrefutable. But I think more than that, there was an attempt to declare war on a, on a way of living, on a sort of communal way of living. Well, why do you think that? Well, I mean, because you look at the... Uh, I mean, the, well, she said there's no such thing as society. Um, the idea of, the, of the, the celebration of the individual, that it's individuals who make the most uh, of their hard work and their work ethic, and they're able to succeed, uh, and that is the triumph of the individual. And, and we are a society, we are a country who are going to celebrate that. And the idea of people who, are, who need help, who are on welfare, is because they're lazy. And they, you shouldn't make it all right for them, because if they get too comfortable with that, they won't work hard enough to succeed. Now, that presupposes a level playing field. There is no level playing field in Britain. There never has been a level playing field. If you, if you look like you, if you have the colour of your skin, if you come from certain kinds of communities, if you sound a certain way, it's never been a level playing field. Now, that doesn't mean to say that individuals within that aren't able to succeed in certain ways. I came from that town, but I know full well why I succeeded. Part of it was to do with my own individual talent or whatever it is, but the vast majority of it was because of the work of other people to make opportunities be there for me, that there was a, a pathway for me and that I was supported in that. So there we go. Isn't that great? Michael Sheen laying it out there. And these are the things that people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak, every member of the Tory party, and unfortunately a significant portion of the, pe the voting population of the islands that make up Britain, vote for them. And they would agree. It, it's sort of, it, I've got to a point with it all where I would always have tried to have been a wee bit more conciliatory and a little bit more generous. My seat is doing my head in. It keeps falling down. Maybe swap it for a drum stool. <coughs> Sorry, give me a sec. Aye, that'll do. That's a bit better. Um, 
I was always a wee bit more conciliatory, a bit conciliatory, and even though I knew certain truths to be true, I would have been less vehement in my expression of other people's untruths, if you know, or, or my criticism of other people's untruths. So when I, so not when it comes to a politician, but when it comes to a working class person that's wrong, that that has a has drunk the Kool Aid, as the Americans call it, and they're repeating basically propaganda that goes against their own interests. I would always have been a bit softer in my criticism of them, but but I'm done now with all of that. I've, 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 this past few years, I've kind of... And Brexit was the thing that did it. Because I, I knew it was wrong, and I could see that it was wrong. Not that it was wrong. I understand why people want to... Bre- I get it. If people want to Brexit, that's fine. I get it. Again, European Union, not perfect by a long way. But you have to lay out the point of what it is that you're... You can't just lie on the side of a bus. And that was basically what the, the whole... The whole terms and conditions and campaign around everything was basically that. It was just the, the, these 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 three-word talking. Build back better, build Britain better, better, bigger, bigger, stronger, faster. You know, it was all bullshit. And you could say it was bullshit. And therefore, you could say it was a plane literally crashing into a building. And it was going to be a fucking disaster, because as the Americans in the in the U.S. embassy video, you know, point out, they say that there's been no macroeconomic modelling. The British government have done no macroeconomic modelling on what this is going to what this is going to do to the country. So when I can see that, and I can go, okay, it's time to stop being nice about these things. It's time to stop trying to find a consensus, trying to find a middle ground. I do believe that we're moving into a time of revolution. A non-violent one, of course, but a revolution nonetheless. A revolution needs to happen. Ireland needs to be united and away from them psychopaths. We can deal with our Tories in Dublin who are every bit as bad. I can't do anything. My argument always goes, this, this is, you know my argument, I can't do anything about those people in London. I can't do anything about Jacob Rees-Mogg, Liz Truss, or even, God bless him, Jeremy Corbyn, if he became the Prime Minister. I can do nothing about him. There's nothing I can do. As much as I would like to see him the Prime Minister of the, of, of, of the United Kingdom, or I'd like to see him the Prime Minister of Great Britain without Northern Ireland but I can still do nothing about it it's not my fucking business it's nothing to do with me that's England and Wales and Scotland let them deal with them and we'll deal with us and this has the disaster that is Brexit has elevated and catapulted all the fucking ghouls and monsters to the as I said up from the fucking bowels of the earth the sewers up to the highest levels of governance. They've lost, the, the country has lost the run of itself to the point that we're now on national strikes all over the place and I think there's going, there's going to be a winter of fucking serious discontent. Various campaigns are starting up across the United Kingdom. Again, these are, and by the way, this is another thing. Whenever you're talking to any of your loyalist commentators or your unionist uh, politicians and they say, we're as everybody as British essentially, Fucking bollocks. We're not involved in the enough is enough campaign. The can't pay, won't pay, or whatever it's called. We're not involved in them. 
because we're here. We deal with our stuff here. We don't deal with them over there. They, that's their thing. We need to deal with our thing. I've got an article on the impact of these price raises in Northern Ireland, which I'll be uh, doing. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be. I think I'll be talking about that. Maybe on. I'll do a a piece on that just uh, tomorrow. And but watching this whole has just sped up my. It, it's it, watching it all speed up has just brought me to the point where I'm going. I'm not. I'm, if you're, if you're prepared, if you're on board, you're on board. If you're not on board, I, I, I don't have time to wait for you anymore. You either get on board or you don't. And this waiting around for the for the for the for the fucking stragglers to catch up, while they're getting their fucking pockets picked and their throats cut by these fucking ghouls. I can't wait for them any. I'm not waiting for them anymore. I want to. I want for the. I want for the. Because a lot of them are nicies, and I want them to be there and to catch up and to go. And there's loads of them are my own friends. If you're not, if you're not in, you're not in. If if you're not on the boat, you, we're leaving without you. It's up. That's just as simple as that. I, I'm. I'm. I'm frustrated. That's how frustrated I am with it all. And now we're sitting in. We're. At, to bring us right up to, to speed, we're sitting in this cost of living crisis, which is a polite way of saying it's not. It was again, Frankie Boyle. This is not a recession. This is a, this is a robbery. The country is being looted, both Ireland and the United Kingdom, looted. And who's paying the price of it? The working class people who have been through 10 years of Tory austerity. Remember austerity? They didn't have austerity in Portugal. They didn't have austerity in Spain and Germany and France and Italy. They didn't have austerity while we were going through austerity. While our NHS was getting run down. While our public services were getting run down. While the potholes weren't being filled in on the roads. And the collection services were being scaled back. They didn't go through that. We went through that. Ten years of it. And that brought us from one financial crash in 2008. Right? Straight through. Ten years of austerity. A couple of years then. Ten years of austerity. Two, 2008. Two years where the banks were taking and all the hedge funds were taking people's houses off them. Straight into ten years of austerity. Straight into another fucking recession. Threatening World War Three with Russia and China at the same time, which is in fucking sin. Again, who's going to die in that? The working class. Who is dying in that? The working class. In those wars, in that war with, with Russia and, and Ukraine. It's always the working class. Straight in through 10 years of it, straight into threatening wars, straight into a recession, straight into fucking cost of living crisis. We know what the answers to these problems are. We know what the answers to the problems are with, with the fuel. We need to nationalise them. Not, they need to be nationalised. And watching Labour, uh, 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 Keir Starmer, who is fucking useless, they've now announced their plan this week. That they're going to, that, that, that what they would do if they were in power, but they're not, so they can't do anything. They're, they're going to, uh, it's, they're going to alleviate people's fuel bills by capping the price cap at two thousand pound a year instead of five. You know, it's still up, 
It's still a fucking massive increase. And that's going to cost the country how much? 29 billion. 29 fucking billion pound. Again, from the fucking public purse. Straight into the profits of these fucking vampires. And they are vampires. Parasites on society. They should be hung. In a civilised society, they would be. They are vampires. Stake straight through the heart is too good for them. 29 billion it's going to cost. Do you know how much it would cost to nationalise the oil and gas industry in the United Kingdom? 2.9 billion. 2.9. And they're going to spend 29 billion to give these fuckers their pound of flesh. And, it's the wor- and who, again, who pays? It's the working class that pay. The working class that pay. So there's fiscal f- fiscal responsibility for you. It can cost $2.9 billion to do the thing, or $29 billion to do the thing. And if we spend the $29 billion, we don't own it. That's neoliberal thinking. That's exactly what they do. That's what they're doing now with every fucking hospital that goes built on PPI. You pay for it forever. They'll be knocking it down to build a new one before you have it paid for. But that's the way they think. We'll throw hundreds of billions of public money at these fucking financial institutions in order that we can end up with a fucking building worth five billion at the end of it in 20 years from now. It's fucking stupid. And these people are the masters of the universe, fiscally responsible, as they keep saying. You know, you got to be fiscally responsible. How's that fiscally responsible? Fiscally responsible if you own shares in Shell and Exxon and BP. <clears throat> sickening is what it is. It is it's beyond sickening. Here's a video from Barry Gardner, Labour MP. I don't know. I don't think he's not on the bench. I think he's one of the good guys. Maybe. But he's clearly had enough. The people who are emailing me saying that they're on the verge of suicide. And that's why enough is enough. Because we cannot go on as a society thinking that actually people don't matter. And what we see in the country at the moment is, you know, all this talk about, oh, it's, it's all about growth. No, it's not about growth. It's about distribution. It's about making sure that people are treated fairly, that they're treated equally. And at the moment, they're not. And and that's why things like tonight are really important, because it's people saying, we've had it up to here. We've had it up to here with a government that says we can go on as a society treating people like shit. Well, you can't. You really can't. And, and, and that's why it's really important that people have an outlet. People have the ability to, to come here and just say to each other, no, we don't accept this. This, this ludicrous situation where, where, where you have two conservative candidates parading about how right-wing they can be in front of a tiny proportion of the population who, who make up the Conservative Party active members. You know, our 
society has to be more than that. It has to be richer, it has to be deeper, it has to be fairer. And my God, if Labour stands for anything, it has to stand for that. <laughs> Somebody would need to tell Labour what it is they do fucking stand for. Although Barry Gardner is um, giving voice to it in impassioned, uh, an impassioned voice to it. It's it it is it is infuriating. If only they had a fucking elected a a, a, a prime minister that that warned that this was all coming, as Jeremy Corbyn did. It it is fucking horrifying, absolutely fucking horrifying. Again, and this is our thread through this podcast today is free market, and I've got a video here. I'm going to play it for you by uh, Professor Richard D. Wolf who is a, a Marxist economist, uh, a fantastic individual. I've learned a lot about Marxism and about socialist economics from this guy. And he, he heads up an organization called uh, Democracy at Work. And he's a big advocate for cooperatives. And he explains how those work a lot how they're set up, the mechanics of them, and why they help the working class. And one of the things that kind of got me hooked into that concept, concept was the idea of whenever you were watching all the the the, the Western capitalists, let's you know China stole their jobs, stole the working everyone the American jobs and the British jobs. No, they didn't. The British capitalists, the American capitalists, shipped their jobs out to China uh, to exploit the cheap labor that was available to them out there, and then. Well, if you if the workers owned the co-op, that wouldn't happen. It's, we're not fucking shipping our jobs at this chain. We're not putting. We're not making ourselves unemployed. Well, you can't make these things anymore. It's not profitable. Oh, well, think of something else to make then. That's what you would do, isn't it? You wouldn't fucking just give up. Condemn your entire, your family and your entire society and community. Quite often, these factories are the hub of towns and cities and. Villages and communities, then community, communist, dangerously close to communism. That so check out this little video from Richard Wolf. This is a wee, it's a wee five minuter, but he explains it specifically explains why the free market doesn't exist. Not for you anyway. Not for me. Check it out. The people who talk about markets like to often use the word free. What they seem to mean when they thought about it or explained themselves, is it's a market that isn't regulated by some political authority, a market with no rules, no regulations, where buyers and sellers confront one another and bargain and reach a mutually agreeable rate of exchange, each for whatever it is they have and each for whatever it is they want. I get that idea. But here I'm going to be an economic historian, something I have taught all my adult life as a professor in the United States and something I share with other professors of economic history. The free market that I just described has never existed. It is a figment of the imagination of people. It is also a wildly utopian image 
We don't have that. Every market that I have ever studied, whether it's ancient Greece right up to the present, is full of regulations. The notion that we can have a market without regulations is refuted by the fact that every time a market has been created as the way to distribute goods, it has immediately had so many bad effects that regulations had to be brought in to counter them. For example, and it's really important to understand this. So do you understand, a, do you understand what he's saying? Regulation. So when we're talking about, we heard Liz Trust promise that there was going to be a bonfire of EU regulations, right? From an article I read you a moment ago. And free marketeers, free marketeer capitalists like Jacob Rees-Mogg, right? They want no... They say they want no regulation. What they want is no regulation that affects their ability to make a profit. Right? Within economics, you have a thing called... We'll get back to the video in a, in a wee second, but within economics, you have a thing called externalities. Again, this is something I learned from Professor Richard Wolf. There's a thing called externalities. And these are the things that aren't incorporated into the final price of something. So... An externality that you would be concerned about would be the environmental impact of the manufacturing, distribution, and sale and use of a product. Okay. Take a banana, some fucking idiots wrap it up in a piece of plastic, you have to dispose of the... So you have to consider the these things are externalities, but that the disposal of the piece of plastic isn't considered in the price of the manufacturer of the banana. Okay? Or the bunch of bananas, right? So, these things aren't considered. So, the, the, the capitalist gets to just dispose, not to consider that. And it's not concerned. Dis discharging of effluent into rivers and lakes and the drinking water from the manufacture and production of goods. These are externalities. The smoke from the chimney stacks that goes up into the sky. This is an externality. That has to be dealt with. Somebody's going to have to... That will be dealt with. It has to be dealt with at some point by... Who? You. Society. Community. We have to deal with it when it becomes that we can't drink our water anymore. When we can't breathe our air. Which is what happens in the great cities around the world. You ban vehicles. You make your vehicles less... Polluting because of the air. Why did that happen? Because the air was so bad, it was you could see it. So something had to be done about it. So these are externalities that aren't dealt with by the capitalists at the point of manufacture. Now Jacob Rees-Mogg and the like of them want they want to get rid of those things. They don't want those things to be considered because they, they, their argument, and I don't believe that they're so stupid to believe it, but it's the argument that they give, is that they say that the market will take care of it because people won't buy the polluting car because when they see the air is so bad or the rivers are so poisoned that they won't, they won't buy the product that did the poisoning. That's what they say. Now, we're not children, so we don't believe them, so we introduce what? Regulations. And this is what the free market capitalists want to get rid of. But it's only the regulations that, that hinder their ability to make an easy profit.
And that's the thing. An easy profit. Back to the video. Free market, wages can be very low. Capitalist pays as little as he can get away with. And if they're desperate people who need to, to survive, they will work for next to nothing. This creates a, a, a vast population of very poor people, often in capitalism. And guess what? We bring in a regulation. It's called a minimum wage. So you can't do that. Here's another example. Some companies get into a position where they're the only company producing something and they can jack up the prices because you've got nowhere else to go. Think of your local utility. You don't have six utility companies to right. choose from. You don't have six, etc., etc. So those companies... So he's, about jack to he's literally... I'm going to knock this back a few, sec a few seconds. He's literally explaining to us now what we're going through today. Why our energy bills are going from... Five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds a year to five thousand. The prices, you know what we have as a result? The antitrust division of the Justice Department to companies get into a position where they're the only company producing something and they can jack up the prices because you've got nowhere else to go. Think of your local utility. You don't have six utility companies to choose from. You don't have six, etc., etc. So those companies jack up the prices. You know what we have as a result? The antitrust division of the Justice Department to break up the monopolies because if you let the market go, the competition among many becomes a few and then they do right. what they always do and in come the regulations right there's a so, good reason marx tells us the capitalism has a tendency to monopolize and richard wolf has just explained what happens there you got your six companies they buy each other you end up with one so then you you have to in america they have the antitrust they call it antitrust we have various laws that i'm sure we have an equivalent i can't just think what it is right now um but within the energy sector, the energy sector is what's called a natural monopoly. Because you only get your heating from one, you only get your oil from one or two places, you get your gas from one or two places. There's a natural monopoly there. It will, it, 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 it's not that it has a tendency to monopolize like other industries, it starts out as, an, as a monopoly. And this is why we need to nationalise these things. It's why they shouldn't have been. It was a gross act of national self-harm to, to, to privatise these industries, the water, the uh, gas, oil, electricity, telecommunications, etc. Gas, uh, a gross act of self-harm. Back to the video. Why we... We have regulations. So I'm just going to put that back again. Sorry, just, um, and I'll let it play without talking as much as a. Else to go. Think of your local utility. You don't have six utility companies to choose from. You don't have six, etc., etc. So those companies jack up the prices. You know what we have as a result? The antitrust division of the Justice Department to break up the monopolies because if you let the market go, the competition among many becomes a few and then they do what they always do and in come the regulations. There's a good reason why we have regulations because markets have undesirable effects. So let's talk a little bit about them. First, let's remember what a market is. A market says, 
that there are goods that people want. Let's suppose ice cream cones, for lack of a better example. Ice cream cones. Let's suppose there are 20 ice cream cones that are available for sale. And let's suppose that there are 50 people who want an ice cream cone. So the supply of ice cream cones, 20, and the demand for ice cream cones, 50. What happens? Very easy to understand. Let's suppose the sellers of ice cream cones are ready to sell them at 20 cents a pop. Well, the richest people out of the 50 immediately realize there's only 20 cones and there's 50 of us. But I've got a lot of money, so I'm going to offer 25 cents. Oh, no, says another rich person. I'm not going to stand by while he gets it for 25. I can afford 30. And another rich one said, well, I can afford 50. You see what happens? The price gets bid up. As we teach in economics, the demand being greater than the supply, the price goes up. The idea being those with the most money can keep raising the price because they can afford to pay. But as the price goes up, the poorer people have to drop out of the race because they can't afford $2.18 for a cone. Mm-hmm. Guess what happens? Except when it comes when to the wages. When dust settles, the 20 cones... Supply and demand. Yeah, until it comes to wages. People are... Comp- Employers are complaining they can't get enough workers to pay them more. They won't fucking do it. I roll it back, start again, let's go. Because they can afford to pay. But as the price goes up, the poorer people have to drop out of the race because they can't afford $2.18 for a cone. And guess what happens? When the dust settles, the 20 cones go to the people willing to spend the most money to bid up the price because they don't care because they're rich, they'll pay $5 a cone. In other words, what markets do is distribute whatever is scarce to the people with the money. The most money wins. Well, if the market is a game in which those with the most money win, then it's a game that favors the people with the most money. This is not rocket science, friends. The market is a system that favors the rich, which is why the rich love markets. Thank you, Professor Richard Wolff. Fucking nailing it. Nailing it, as always. Man is never wrong. He's another one of these guys that is always right. (laughs) He's just always fucking right. Uh, Yeah, I'm a huge fan. So there we go. That's our free market. Now, I don't know what I'm going to call this podcast. I'm going to upload it shortly. And uh, it's going to be something, something. Free market, cunty fuck, cunt shit fuck. Something like that. So I want to finish on this. This is a great wee article. It's a laugh. We're going to have a laugh. We're going to, we're going to go out with a smile. Leave him smiling, as some somebody wiser than me once said. So this is a great article from... I don't know. Uh, now, I think it's a piece of satire. Well, it is a piece of satire, but it says it's from the Papua New Guinea Courier. And I don't know if that's a part of the satire. But nonetheless, I'll read it to you anyway. It is really fucking funny. So we're going to finish on this. A letter from London from our own correspondent. To England, 
The parking zones set in a silver sea where prices doubling like bacteria have led the Conservatives to declare a culture war. By the way, just the culture, it's, you know this is bull, you know it's bullshit, right? You know it's bullshit, you know it's a distraction. You know that, you know that. I don't need to tell you that. You know that already. Don't fall for it. Right, okay. This sceptered isle has been Brexiteered into sepsis. This is brilliant writing, by the way, in this article. It's, fun. it's very funny, very good writing. Uh, Truss Trus and Sunak are blitzing rank-and-file Tories with the policy ideas rejected by UKIP for being too extreme. Pledges to de-radicalise national trusts. National Trust dissidents or resist the migrants' siege by expanding the Rwanda plan may have little cut through with single mums in Salford, but they are sweet music to the ears of Tunge, the Tunbridge Wells faithful, who, when they aren't astroturfing the last of the nation's wildlife from their lawns, <laughs> like to reminisce about wars in which they were too young to fight. <laughs> That's a that's brilliant writing. When they were when they aren't astroturfing the last of the nation's wildlife from their lawns. They like to reminisce about wars in which they're too young to fight. Which is not to say that Crayola Deville and the life coats without portfolio are not afraid to confront meteor issues. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> which <laughs> go again. Sorry. I'm going to go, there's going to be a lot of this. Which is not to say that Crayola DeVille, <laughs> Liz Truss, and Life Coach Without Portfolio, <laughs> Rishi Sernak, are not afraid to confront meteor issues. Rishi is going to tackle the exponential growth in fuel costs, bills that now equate to half the state pension, if it's true, by shedding EU environmental regulations, again, and worker protections. Liz plans to stave off recession by substituting her unique brand of Boris Bubble Bathos for policy. It all jigsaws with the imagined injustice of the coup against them. The cult of Johnson, a phenomenon only three letters away from becoming onomatopoeic, is humming. The Daily Mail, never far from attention that needs aggravating, is on permanent standby to, to hand out pitchforks to bev beverage you know, bothering worshippers and right beverage you know beverage you know okay I'm gonna read that again that's a strange I've never seen that word in my life the Daily Mail never far from tension that needs aggravating is on a permanent standby to hand out pitchforks to beverage you know, bothering worshippers while while followers who crawl around the world king like flies on feces are demanding the Privileged Committee halt its investigation into his lying on grounds that some of them have not yet been awarded a peerage. <laughs> there is no immunity from the insanity. When Liz, the candidate for, for natural deselection, <laughs> wins the fight for custody of citizens' money and Rishi steps back to spend more time with, with his, nothing will have been resolved. The race to the bottom of the Tory membership's empty skulls epitomises what so few of the natives here realise. That England that was that England that was wont to conquer others hath made triumphant conquest of itself.
Boom. That's the sound of that pin being pulled from the hand grenade. And I fucking, most of England uh, drop on it. Throwing the pin and holding onto the grenade. The race to the bottom of the Tory membership's empty skulls epitomises what so few of the natives here realise that England that has want to conquer others hath made triumphant conquest of itself. That is a fantastic article. I love it. Very funny. So there we go. We're done. Going to knock us on the head. So, okay, children, today's lesson. No such thing as a free market. <clears throat> Capitalists hate us. They want us to die. No, they don't. They want us to work. Create their wealth. And then die. Them's the rules, baby. So, yeah. And, uh, so there we go. Uh, just a reminder. CD, that CD is available now. You can buy that on my band camp. And playing that gig in the American Bar in Belfast on Sunday. Uh, Patreon, follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, and yeah, just going to do something here to see if this works. Yeah. So we'll see if that works. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Hope you have a good weekend. Um, and I'll talk to you maybe again on m- maybe Monday evening, I think. So might do a wee live stream Monday evening. But anyway, talk soon. Bye. Bye. It worked. Yeah.